Hey there, thoughtful listener. Would you like consistent and predictable sales activity with no spam and no ads? I'll teach you step by step how to do this, particularly if you're an agency owner, consultant, coach, or B2B service provider. What I teach has worked for me for more than 15 years and has helped me create more than $10 million in revenue. Just head to upmyinfluence.com and watch my free class on how to create endless high-ticket sales appointments. You can even chat with me live and I'll see and reply to your messages. Also, don't forget, the Thoughtful Entrepreneur is always looking for guests. Go to upmyinfluence.com and click on podcast. We'd love to have you. With us right now, it's Ed Delia. Ed, you are the president of Delia Associates. Your website is delianet.com. Ed, it's great to have you here. Thanks, Josh. It's great to be here with you today. Absolutely. Now, I was remarking that you have been at Delia Associates uh, for over 29 years. I said, well, that's a company that's been around for quite some time. And what I learned is that no, 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 you've been around for a lot longer than that. Can you mind can us maybe just give us a snapshot of the, you know, who Delia Net is or Delia and Associates is? Absolutely. Yes. Um, so it's um it's great when LinkedIn uh, reminds you how old you've been and how long you've been doing what you've been doing. Uh, that's usually when I when I remember that's right, I started in August <laughs> of 95. But the business had been around for for some time before that. In fact, my father, um, Michael Delia founded the company in 1964 in a very classic entrepreneurial style. So Josh, you've probably heard this story many times in different ways. Little side office next to his bedroom, um, a typewriter back then, and an idea. And Delia Associates was born as, back then, a traditional um, B2B advertising and PR firm. And it existed that way many years. And in classic family business style, I kind of grew up around the business. So. I was collating press kits when I was seven. I was um, helping my brother erect trade show booths when I was uh, 13. I think I wrote my first press release when I was 16, and I was doing media analysis at 17, never thinking that I'd ever join the business. It's just what you did, you know? You just kind of help out and jump in. And then um, um, when I was about to graduate uh, from Dickinson College, I was in line, and I said to a good friend of mine next to me, I said, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do next, but I'll be damned if I go to work for my old man. And uh, <laughs> a few months later, you know, I'm turning, you know that, turning down a job and coming to Delia Associates full time. Oh, that's uh, hilarious! Yeah, I did. Now, do, do you have do you have children as well? I do. I have uh, twins who are 18, just going off to college, and um, my daughter actually interned with us this summer. So that was Generation Three walking through the door. So that was. Uh, oh my gosh! So. Um, well, naturally, that was my question. If they had the same uh, sentiment that you did, I'll be damned if I work for my old man. <laughs> well, you know, that's what she says now, but she's got the um, the aptitude and the drive and uh, the ability. So um, who knows what the future will bring, right? <laughs> uh, so t- share just a little bit um, about um, who you work with, your impact in the world, um, you know, and, uh, you know, maybe just some of the great work that you've been able to do for your clients. Sure. Um, so we often um, call our clients with great affection, the brands behind the brands. 
um, the clients that we work with typically are living in the supply chain of a, of a bigger brand. It may be a consumer product or a, a global entity. And what we're trying to do is position our clients uh, to win, right? We want them to win um, their fair share of market. We want them to win in all engagements. So a lot of our work is driven by brand. We're big believers in the power of the B2B brand. And a lot of times in that uh, supply chain B2B uh, company audience, the importance of brand is sometimes misunderstood or overlooked. So a lot of times we're educating our constituents about the importance of brand building. And then we're always looking to drive um, a growth a growth strategy. So um, a lot of times um, we see companies in what I'll call hope and pray mode. You know, mm. I hope the next quarter is better. You know, I'm praying that things will turn around. And uh, there's nothing wrong with hope and there's nothing wrong with prayer. I'll say a short one every morning, but uh, that's not a great uh, foundation for growing a business. So we move them to a position of plan and do. And we really get centered on some very specific, usually three to five core growth strategies that we're going to drive that brand into to win business and engage. So that's a lot of the front end work that we do. Yeah. Are, are there um, typical strategies that you find that most leaders are not implementing that that you find yourself recommending pretty early like you you discover pretty quickly yeah there's we can already tell you you like a lot of other people likely have this gap there's a there's a few that um, we're seeing show up with i'd say in a more recurring fashion um one is um especially across the, the i'll say the pandemic pen, pandemic era to now, um, a lot of our clients were saying, no, 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 we don't need more business. We need more people. We need more people to come and work for us. We've got more business than we can handle. We need more talent to get on the ship. And the challenge there, especially in that B2B landscape that we work with is those companies don't always look very attractive to the rising generation of, uh, of employees and talent. So sometimes our work on the brand is making them look not just like an attractive place to place business, but an attractive place to start a career. Wow. So that's been a, a big recurring theme. So we're actually working more with HR departments than marketing and sales departments uh, in the last few years. So that's been an interesting shift. That's an interesting conversation. And I think, let me just um, just take a pause really quick here, but uh, to actually, you know, bring your core leadership team in, particularly on the personnel side of things and just say, okay, let's look at everything we're communicating and let's look at it from a lens, from a perspective employee, how would they resonate with this? Or if we're, let's say we're trying to attract a certain type or, you know, maybe we're looking, you know, are our values being conveyed because Everything you're communicating is visible to everybody in all instances for every reason, right? That's a really great action item, I think, for a lot of folks listening to this. It certainly can be. I mean, if you think about, and we use a very simple definition for what is a brand. A brand, we say, is unique times three. It's a unique entity with a unique offering to an equally unique audience, and unique meaning unlike anything else. The same logic applies to attracting personnel. Right? There's a reason why certain types of people or personas are attracted to brands, whether they're buying that brand's goods and services or whether they're coming there as, a, as an occupation to work and to, to start or, or extend their career. So the same brand logic applies. And to your point, Josh, yeah, the brand is omnipresent, right? The brand is holistic. It doesn't turn on and off for certain audiences. Um, it's one identity. And 
as some of these manufacturers, especially manufacturing community, that's where I'm really concerned because the industry is not doing a great job of positioning manufacturing as a great career path or destination, in my humble opinion. I think industry associations could be doing more to say, hey, this is a good path for you. So you're seeing a lot of um, talent aging out, retiring, and there's nobody coming in to fill those seats. You know, So that's a real concern, um, especially in manufacturing. Um, the other often, I'd say switching gears a little, other overlooked um, opportunities for a lot of companies is the business right under their nose. And that I mean, a lot of times companies want to market to new, market to new, go get new business. And then, yes, that's very important for growth, but sometimes they forget to speak to their existing customers or existing pipeline of prospects or existing contacts. And you always have to be reaffirming your brand to those audiences too, because they've already bought from you. So the chance to upsell or extend or expand that relationship is a far easier proposition than going after somebody brand new. And a lot of companies overlook that. That's, you know, in my view, sometimes that's money being left on the table just by not communicating to people you already know. Yeah. Um, what uh, what would be some examples of companies that, that you've been able to work with? Um, and what has that relationship looked like? And, and typically, I would imagine you, it looks like you generally work with companies for a little bit longer periods of time, right? It's not just like, okay, bring us in and in 60 days, we're going to make all your wildest dreams come true. <laughs> um, I wish it was that simple. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes we can get rolling in as, as quick as 60 days. Usually we start yeah. with a serious conversation about the brand and where the brand is going. Um, and, you know, is it living up to its potential? And that's usually where the conversation starts. It often starts with um, with with the top executive and usually their senior um, team is to say, you know, we call it the we call it the brand vision gap. Basically, the company's vision and where it's going is outpacing the brand, and the brand is starting to become like it's kind of like running with a parachute on your back. You know, harder to do than if that parachute was cut loose and you could run free, right? So a lot of times the brand is holding the company back, and they're wondering why are we always coming in second. Why are we not getting invited to these bigger opportunities? You know, why are people going to um, to other competitors? Why are they not even giving us a look? And the why is all related to brand. They are not seeing that the buying audience is not seeing that company as an attractive um, solve mm -hmm. to whatever issue or problem they have. So by igniting that and, and illuminating that, and then driving that um, through 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 marketing communications, and we do abide by a you know a broad array of marketing so it's not just a, a you know website fix and you're done it's 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 digital it's print it's trade show it's it's video it's content but all driven through the lens of brand and all messaged through the lens of the brand so that um, when people see that message and, and the right audience we, you know for a lot of our clients we say it's not about it's, it's not about quantity it's about quality i'd rather furnish a client with five awesome prospect opportunities and a hundred that are garbage, you know, lots of mm. people can do that. Right. But it's the five right ones that are ultimately going to drive the business forward. And that's really where we focus. Quality brand attracts quality, right fit prospects, and, and they're going to do good business together. So that's really where we focus initially. And then we support them often as like an outsourced marketing department to make sure that all of the channels are, are, are addressed properly on an ongoing basis. But it usually starts with the brand. And it starts with, you know, what's the growth strategy to drive this brand forward and to be prosperous? 
Yeah. Um, talk about, you know, when we're thinking about what we're communicating with, you know, with our brand and in all places, right, this balance between what we do and who we are and what we stand for. Okay. Okay. So great question. You know, that's kind of a big topic and, and maybe that was kind of a little vague in how I asked that, but I'm just, I'm curious yeah. if you see my suspicion or my thesis is that uh, I think the inclination is to, I think a lot of us maybe start, you know, really kind of focusing on what we do. Yes, uh, yes. And and uh, anyway, I don't mean to lead the witness here, but <laughs> I, I understand. I was just kind of rethinking it in, in in our in our speak. So we our speak is functional and emotional. So um, a lot of companies lead with functional. We do X. We provide Y services. We do this right. That's a functional position. That's a position of what you do. You know, an emotional position would be you know, maybe like a role-based position is like, this is how we serve or a, um, a territory. This is where we live, right? Um, we had a very successful campaign for an engineering company, which is basically um, uh, basically at the cross-section of, 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 of innovation and imagination or, um, where, where basically they, they are innovation and execution. So um, they were the bridge between innovation and execution and that's where they live. And we made that very real and territorial and that became a very strong position for them, for people that were trying to bridge that gap from the big idea to commercial viability. This was the right firm for in, in certain industries. So we're trying to let the brand stand for more than just what they do, because people typically looking for a functional need um, are often going to say, okay, everybody kind of looks like an apple and there's no orange in sight. So if I have to choose between three apples and they're all priced differently and they all look the same and they all probably taste the same, I'll probably pick the, the low cost one, right? Why wouldn't I? But if I see a super big, awesome, shiny deluxe apple that looks better than all the rest, yeah, maybe I'll gravitate to that one because it's special and it's different and it excites me. So um, we believe that um, a lot of B2B brands sometimes forget about that emotional component. And even professional buyers are influenced by emotion, right? Even a purchasing agent is influenced but by virtue of being a human being is influenced by emotion. So we're looking to really tap those emotions in a very positive and authentic way. Um, and authentic is very important too. You can't really go out and claim what you're not. You can't offer something that you can't deliver on. You gotta be true. You gotta be authentic to who you are and what you represent in the best possible way to the audiences you're trying to serve. Yeah. Uh, someone that's been listening to our conversation, um, let's, let's talk about, uh, okay, I, I love... Ed, what you've been talking about, um, what is that kind of that discovery process or, uh, you know, how does someone begin a relationship with, with uh, Dalia? Great, um, great question. Uh, so our discovery process, um, we call it a 360 discovery. So it starts mm. with internally, um, internal um, discovery as to what the people who represent the brand, how you see yourselves, right, what you stand for and what you believe in. Externally, um, we do uh, qualitative surveys of key relationships to find out what your key relationships see that's unique and special about you as a brand. And then we do a competitive study to say, okay, what, what are the options in the marketplace right now? Who are we competing against? And what are they doing or what are they not doing comparative to us? And then we'll actually score the brand against the competition. So by virtue of that 360 look at internal, external, and then competitive landscape, we can start to formulate some key insights that are going to drive 
the brand development process forward and, and say, okay, out of the gate, here's some things that, here's some opportunities already that um, the marketplace isn't seeing. Um, in, in some instances, we once did the survey, and I won't name names, but the, um, the, the surveyed respondents on the external survey said, gosh, I wish we could hear from them more. I mean, gosh, when do you hear that? I mean, they basically, it's like your, your, your clients are basically saying they want to hear from you more. <laughs> um, yeah, we should go do that. We should go initiate more communications direct to existing uh, relationships and existing customers because they are, they are expressing an appetite to hear from you more. So let's go do that. And lo and behold, more business came from that when we did. Yeah. Uh, your website DaliaNet.com. Uh, someone again from from this uh, uh, podcast. Uh, I know you have some really great content. You have some really good looks like really interesting webinars uh, that you put on. Um, but any other resources you'd recommend uh, in terms of next steps? There's a number of resources in our resource library uh, from videos, um, some uh, some how-to guides, a few eBooks, um, some recorded segments. Um, so we we try to put um, as much as we can in the way of um, learnable, shareable content out there. And it's all free. It's all, you know, you can just go and download whatever, whatever you like. Um, but um, one that um, is a useful tool for, um, especially this time of year, as we're heading into towards Q4 is um, a growth worksheet that we put together where um, it helps companies start to think about um, growth in a more prioritized strategic way, focusing on the, um, what we call the three, methods of growth, acquire new customers, retain, expand, and increase buying frequency. And then we've documented um, corresponding growth channels to those three methods to help people prioritize and think about growth in a more organized fashion. So that's a good resource for people to take a look at as they start to begin their, their, their year-end planning for the coming, uh, coming year. And again, the, the website, uh, DaliaNet.com. Uh, and then certainly, you know, for someone that wants to have a conversation, um, what, what would, what, what should they do? They're free to give me a call. Um, my contact info is on the site or, or hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, eDalia, I'm pretty findable. Um, and I'm happy to, uh, I'm always happy to have a conversation, right. And see, uh, what the needs are and what, what the opportunities uh, might be for any given brand. Yeah, you're you're a great. Uh, you have some pretty great content on your LinkedIn as well. I, I just want to compliment you for that. Um, but again, Ed Delia, president of Delia Associates, a website again, DeliaNet.com. Ed, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Josh. It was great to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love even if you just stopped by to say hi. I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, 
seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.